continuing on, uh, chapter 10. I think there's something that's important too, uh, because I have this study Bible and it's in chapter 9. And it's the last statement. And it said, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So it's important to know that detail, especially when I read a question and answer on the side of the the Bible that I have. It says, why mention a tanner? It's significant that Peter stayed with a man whose occupation involved turning animal hides into leather. Someone who came into contact with certain dead animals was considered unclean by Jewish law from Leviticus Leviticus uh, chapter 11, verse 31. Perhaps God was preparing Peter for his dramatic vision in Acts 10, the next chapter that we're going to read, verses 9 through 23, which helped him understand more clearly what God considers clean and unclean. So um, there's a, actually, I, I read through the Old Testament, um, you know, and to start with, I read from the very beginning of the Bible to the back of the Bible, but it's been a while since I went through that. And I think after I finish Acts, I'm going to go into, start with Genesis and go through it again, because now after reading, you know, pretty much all the, well, all the uh, New Testament for our second time straight through, I think I'll go back to the beginning and start all over with that. And maybe there'll be more insight because every time you read something from scripture from the Bible, you learn something new. So it's things that were there all the time. All of a sudden, you comprehend it more. It's amazing how that happens. So anyway, getting to chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing, He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately 
the sheet was taken back to heaven. I, as you read scripture, if you don't already, if you're not already aware of this, because over time I became aware of this, you will notice how many times things are repeated three times that are very important because you'll be reading scripture and it'll be like the exact same words, like, you know, three times, like instead of just saying they said it again and again, three times or something, but it'll just be written out three times exactly the same thing. Well, when that happens, it's something that's certainly being emphasized, something that's being important. And I've found when I've had things come to mind, they will often be repeated three times and through other like uh, God-honoring people. And it's just something that um, when that happens, that to me, it's an affirmation of something from God. I mean, it's part about like hearing God's voice. And when you say hearing God's voice, um, like I do not hear God's voice in a way like an audible form but I do believe after time has gone on, this is over like a number of years, I do believe that sometimes the thoughts or statements that will come to mind are from that. For example, I've had, I've had these dreams and they started like when I first got baptized. And, uh, and sometimes this is very strange because I've, I had a dream about something and I didn't quite understand it. And, um, and I asked for clarification from God, you know, because it was biblical to some degree, but I just really didn't understand like what the message was. And I'm not kidding you. Then the next night that I had, when I woke up in the morning, I had a Bible verse on my mind. It's immediately when I woke up, when I came, you know, like aware, like you're awake now, and all of a sudden there was a Bible verse. And I did not at that point have, and I still don't memorize very well the Bible verses. I just know the context or not the context, but what they say or what they mean, but I don't have it word for word memorized. But that's what I had exactly on my mind. And it related to the dream I had the night before. So those are just some kinds of things that... Um, after that, I, I actually bought a book, Understanding or Hearing God's Voice, just to see what other people said about it, because you don't want to be influenced by things that are not of God's voice. You don't want it to be your own thoughts and act upon something. But the one thing that I learned from the book that I bought and read about that is that it would align whatever this um, thought is, it would align with scripture. It would never contradict scripture because scripture is God's word. And it would, it would be something good. You know, it's never anything bad. I mean, like that's, you know, it's something good that God would want that would benefit other people. I mean, it's not, nothing is selfish. I mean, that's not God. God is selfless. God is, you know, loving. And if it aligns with those things, in a loving way and it matches with scripture and it's something that, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. So, um, those are the kinds of things that, and then I also get it like repeated three times often. And so that is um, like my affirmation of things like that. Um, so it's just, it's interesting. The more time goes on as 
I get closer to God, more things like this have started to happen. So going back to scripture, um, of, you know, just the three times that this happened with Peter, um, it, you know, it just made me think about the three times that have happened in my life when something like that has happened. So while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. So that's really... Uh, I mean, Peter has a whole nother level of hearing God's voice when it's like uh, specific directions about, um, you know, something to that, you know, affects, you know, somebody he doesn't know. And, and I've heard other people say those things too. Like they have heard and they say like in the spirit, they've heard these things and have acted upon them. And then later the person that they did act upon it kind of made an affirmation just you know there's there's like coincidences I guess if you want to call them although I don't think there are coincidences anymore but it's just it's really amazing when you hear people's stories about how they just happen or somebody just get like this feeling or this thought about something that they really need to do and it wouldn't necessarily be something that they would be excited about doing but it would be a good thing to do so then they do it and then the response and the person is the recipient often will have like surprise, like they may have been praying about what that person actually does. So it's so cool when you hear those stories. And when you hear those stories, I mean, these are usually like st- complete strangers as this happens to. And then you realize that God does work through people and God uses people who have opened themselves to him love him and want to want to be a child of God. I mean, God will use people in that way. And that's where I believe these instances happen where maybe someone's prayer gets answered by God speaking to another person who's in tune with him, who listens to God, who knows God's voice, and God directs them to do something for the benefit of someone else. And then that person's prayer is answered. So it's just really cool when the more you hear testimonies of people that say those kinds of things that have happened and um, just, you know, look for them. They're really, because they are out there. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. That's another important thing. Um, People that have the Holy Spirit know that 
it's not them that are doing this. It's the Holy Spirit working through them. And they're humble because if people are not humble, usually God gets offended by that. If somebody gets prideful and thinks, oh, it's all about me, I did this or something, then God takes um, pretty severe action because um, that's, you know, it's, it's a lie and God hates lies. So it's, you know, interesting and it's biblical uh, according to other parts of the Bible uh, that Peter reacted like this. Um, and oftentimes when angels would appear and uh, people would be like, I guess in the Old Testament, when they had stories of angels, I'm like, I'm thinking about maybe Daniel or Ezekiel um, where they were just, it was something that was so incredible and so humbling that they fell down to like on their knees in front of this being because it was, I guess, so majestic or something was like so supernatural about it that they realized this is something superior to me as a human. And, uh, but the angel always says, don't do that. I'm just a servant, just like you. And, um, those are like probably all the, the holy angels or the good angels, the ones who are not fallen because there are fallen angels too that we know about from the Bible. But the good angels, they, they, are, they don't want to take any of that credit. They're, just, they're basically a messenger from God and they do not want any worship, honor, or glory. They give it all to Jesus. They recognize Jesus is, is the the has the authority it's not them and um it's you know you'll see this like i said all through scripture that's in the old testament and then um this the book of acts that we're reading from was actually written by luke who um wrote one of the gospels and he was um believed to be a medical doctor and he wrote some of what he wrote the gospel for other people and what he did was he interviewed people who were who were firsthand witnesses of these things that happened. So he's more like the interviewer, the re- the investigator, the reporter who's going around getting all of these stories from each of these people. So it's kind of interesting to know like who wrote the book of Acts and and how he came about collecting all these stories and information about people, but he interviewed all these people and he got the information from them. So a lot of the people that were interviewed in the book of Acts, they were alive when Jesus was alive and they witnessed all these things that happened through Jesus. And the they also witnessed what happened after Jesus left and when his disciples went out and started spreading the what we all call like or what people call the good news this the message about Jesus what he came here for and basically he came here to make it possible for us to be in God's kingdom so going back to scripture um let's see while while talking with him Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people he said to them, you are well aware it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, 
And that's another one. Okay, so it's three days ago. This is a another interesting thing. I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. I believe that's when um, Jesus was also, when he died on the cross too, or darkness came when during his crucifixion. It was like at three in the afternoon. So that's just, you know, a point that came to mind as I was reading this. But sudden, back to scripture, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon, the tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's the sentence that I underwrote underlined because that there's a lot in there like how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power so and it said and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him so something that I learned is that we are either under the power of the devil or the power of God. And until we reconcile with God, we are under the power of the devil. So we are being influenced by supernaturally by evil. And, you know, it's not saying, I don't know. I mean, like, we're, that's why we're, we're all sinners. And it, we have to come to a time and a place, uh, not a time and a place, but a, a point in our life where we want to be children of God, that we, you know, we want to reject the influences of the evil spiritual realm that do affect our lives. Um, It's like I was actually talking to somebody about the symbolism in Exodus, and and there's actually a few um, videos on that too, about how in Exodus, uh, Moses took the Israelites out of slavery, but then Jesus, that's all symbolic of Jesus, like the Old Testament points to Jesus. So Jesus is taking all the people out of the slavery, out of the bondage of the devil, basically, and bringing them, bringing us into God's kingdom. So there's an exodus that the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, and then God sent Moses to gather them and to bring them 
out of Egypt, out of slavery. Then God sends Jesus to all mankind, every nation, to bring us out of slavery and bondage to the devil. Now, it tells us that the devil is the ruler of the air in scripture. And even in the book of Job, when there is like a meeting in the heavenly realms, um, the devil appears or Satan appears and God says, where have you been? And he said, to and fro roaming, roaming the earth. And then Paul later in one of his books, I don't know which book it is, but um, he talks about the devil roaming the earth to see whom he can devour. Because what the devil does is, is very manipulative and deceptive to all the people. So he will make it something that people crave, like sin that people crave, because his goal is to kill and destroy. But Jesus's goal is to give life. But the devil uses all sorts of things to make sin appealing to people so that people go towards sin but his ultimate goal is to separate people from God, to destroy them, because he knows that God loves people. And so he wants all people to be destroyed. But people, I mean, we are, we don't even know that. We're blinded by that. We don't get it before we read scripture and before we come to the knowledge of the truth about God, about Jesus, about God's kingdom, uh, the truth that's found in scripture until we understand that we don't even know we're completely in the dark until our eyes are opened to this. But that's the reality of it all is that there is a spiritual force that affects us. And you're either going to be influenced by evil our deception, something that's trying to get at you to keep you from God, or you're going to be to have the power that God provides. As long as we stay connected to God and we through prayer, through reading scripture, um, prayer primarily, I would say, but definitely reading scripture because you always learn something and you get closer to God because you learn more about Him. It's a relationship. And when we are closer to God, there is protection there. And God's spirit is way stronger than anything from the evil realm. And we are protected in that way. And with, with God, with Jesus, you know, with God, all things are possible. With man, it's impossible. So that's what the difference is. I'm going to go back to scripture though. So, um, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews, and in Jerusalem. They, they were, they're talking about Jesus. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day, there's that third day again, and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. I'm going to stop there again. So this also gives us a little bit of insight to Jesus after he was, he rose from the dead. He was living, he was eating and drinking. So it's not this like ghostly apparition or this like, you know, vision that you can see through. This is like a, 
uh, you know, a, a living human being, like Jesus is eating and drinking. So it's not like uh, some vision or something like that. The, these people actually sat and ate with them. So just like we were saying before, like Luke interviewed these people. These people sat down with him. They, they had this firsthand experience with Jesus. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. So this is another thing. Jesus, when he returns and um, he's going, you know, the, the wrath of God will occur um, and at the, I believe it's at the end, actually, after Jesus reigns for a thousand years, there will be the final judgment and Jesus is the judge. So God appointed this to Jesus and he is the judge of the living and the dead. So when it says the judge of the living and the dead, the dead aren't raised until after the thousand years. So when Jesus returns, the ones who have prepared, the believers who believe in Jesus, who, who trust in Jesus through Scripture, everything that we know from Scripture, those people both dead and living. This is another thing to know. Like, If, if Jesus does come back in our lifetime, which I right now feel like that's going to happen, then there's going to be living people. So there's going to be living people and dead people that are going to rise from the dead and meet Jesus in the clouds. And then Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years. But the people who were evil, that rejected God and died, they're not going to be raised at the same time. That happens after a thousand years after Jesus reigns on earth for a thousand years, then that's the final judgment and everyone is raised. And then um, it's basically the separation of good and evil. And then eternity with God will be from that point on. So we don't know a whole lot about that. We get information from scripture for those thousand years. And then after that is just eternity with God. So it's a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus did talk about that, that he was going away when he, after he died on the cross, he told his followers that he was going away to prepare a place for his disciples. And um, then he also said that he was going to come back and get them. So that's when his second coming is that he comes back and he takes those who are, you know, God's children, his brothers, sisters, and takes them with him to the place that he's prepared. So that's something to really look forward to. Okay, I'm going to go back to scripture again. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So there's power in Jesus' name. Jesus has authority and our sins are are forgiven through his name. Like he died on the cross to break the curse that was on the whole entire earth that kept us separated from God, but he broke that supernaturally and defeated it. 
So that gives us the ability. That's the only way it could have happened. And the only way, and even in the Old Testament, it says like, he just saw like how human beings just failed every time. And the only way that he could save everyone was by his own doing, by his right hand. That's how he saved us. Well, that's Jesus. Jesus is how he saved us. Son of God is the one who saved us. And that's the only way that it makes it possible for us to be in eternity is by what Jesus did when he was here on earth. So going back to scripture again, I'm almost finished with this chapter too. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then he asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Now that's really interesting because that's completely like, well, it's I don't know if there was a certain order given, but Jesus, when he talked to Nicodemus in the Gospel of John chapter 3, he told Nicodemus that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So he said, born of the water and born of the spirit. Now, John the Baptist is the one who gave the baptism, and it was a baptism of repentance, which means turning away from sin and choosing to reject sin. And But that's only part of it, because there's other stories where people were baptized by water, but they didn't receive the Holy Spirit yet. But now in chapter uh, 10 that we're on, These people got the Holy Spirit first, but then they were baptized by water. So that was, you know, it was a little bit out of order of what we were, you know, the way Jesus said it and the way it was shown, the way it happened. You know, if John the Baptist, he baptized people, but he was preparing them for when Jesus came with the Holy Spirit, because then Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in that same order, apparently, from what we read here, is that the Holy Spirit could actually come first, and then someone could get baptized. But the baptized, the baptism um, is symbolic of repentance, and repentance is, is really required. So I believe that somebody could repent, like you'd have to probably repent and be a more righteous person or focused on God before you could receive the Spirit. Because we know from other chapters that there was this man who was a sorcerer who got baptized by water, but he couldn't get the Holy Spirit's power because his heart wasn't right with God. So God knows whose hearts are right with him and could give the Holy Spirit. But then this baptism is more of a symbolic uh, representation of someone who's decided to live for Christ, to um, who has accepted the ways that God wants us to live, and is you know 
uh, wanting to be obedient to them, not being rebellious to them, not rejecting them, but accepting them as these are good laws and uh, following them. That's basically what it is and turning away from the rebellious ways. And if you also think about the the uh, criminal on the cross who was hanging next to Jesus, and he was on the cross, so he didn't get a chance to get baptized or anything. Like he was dying on the cross next to Jesus. But he asked Jesus, I mean, all we know from scripture is that he asked Jesus to remember him when he left. And he obviously showed that he believed that Jesus was the son of God in saying that. And then Jesus told him, surely you will be with me in paradise. And of course, you know, God knows the heart of the person and that person didn't have time to get baptized. So it doesn't mean if somebody didn't get baptized that they wouldn't be in God's kingdom from that example. And that's why you have to know like all these different parts of scripture, because some people might tell you one thing and, but Jesus did tell us that we should be born of the water and born of the spirit. So that repentance part is important. And then to have the Holy Spirit is also important. Those are the two things that we have to do to prepare. And then Jesus took care of the hard part because it would be impossible for us to be in God's kingdom. We couldn't do enough good things to get into God's kingdom because it took a sinless, non-human, but part human. Like Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit made the pregnancy happen. So Jesus was human, yet was conceived of the Spirit. So that's why Jesus is different from everybody else. Like no one else could have done what he did on the cross. And anyway, that's, that's what made it possible makes it possible for all of us. And as we see in this, it doesn't matter what nation anyone is from. Like this is for the whole world. Anyone who hears the message of God, the message of Jesus and what he's done for us, believes it and surrenders. Basically, that's what you're doing. You're surrendering. You're saying like, you're saying, not my will, not what I want naturally want to do, but what you want me to do, God, I want that. And then Ask for forgiveness for the past, for everything that you've done that has been rebellious to God. And then ask for the Holy Spirit. And if your heart is sincere, the Holy Spirit will be given to you. And people change over time. Now you'll see like what we read about here, like some people immediately changed or were healed from different things. But it's also can be a longer process. Like people aren't perfected when the Holy Spirit comes to them, but they are in a process of becoming more and more like Christ. But yet we are still, we don't have our um, immortal bodies yet. That doesn't happen until Jesus returns. So while we still have bodies that will die, and the only reason that we die is from sin, because it says the wages of sin is death. And actually, Jesus told um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that if they were 
if they ate of the tree of, uh, I think it was good and evil, or the tree of knowledge, I can't remember which, no, the tree of knowledge, then surely they would die that day. And that is what happened. Like as soon as they were rebellious against God and decided that they were going to eat from the tree of knowledge, then that a curse came on them and they had to die because the law of sin is death. So anyone who sins has to die. That means we all have to die, except that we know from Thessalonians that when Jesus returns, there's going to be living people and those who have prepared themselves, repented and have the Holy Spirit will not experience a physical death. And there were actually other people who didn't experience a physical death. So Enoch was one, and he was just taken. He was no more. That's what it says in, uh, I think it's the book of Genesis. Um, He was one. And then there was Elijah, who was another one who didn't die, but it said like the chariot of God, like he was with Elisha. It was Elijah and Elisha, and they were together, and he was taken at that moment. So he did not experience a death. So those are just kind of like interesting things that have happened. But other than that, I think most people have experienced a death. But those are two from the Bible who haven't experienced a physical death. And then there's going to be a bunch of people who prepared themselves when Jesus returns that won't experience the physical death. In fact, when it talks about judgment at the end of that thousand years, it says that's the second death. But not everybody gets that second death, but the the ones who are separated from God, the ones who are rebellious, that's when they have, it says they go into the burning lake of sulfur and they're tormented forever and ever. It's not just a it's not just a short thing. It's like something that's torturous, really. And I, because of the rebellious, because God is um, a God is a God of justice. So if there are evil people, and if we think about like the worst evil that we can imagine, don't you think it would be just that something like that happens to someone who is pure evil? So anyway, um, that's, I probably talked a lot or too much here, but, um, I think I finished chapter 10 and next time we'll cover chapter 11.